Welcome to Providence Road. We are really glad that you're here. Um, it's a, in my opinion, it's a beautiful day outside. Felt like this morning was the first fall morning, and fall's my favorite time of year as far as weather goes. Um, so it was a good morning. I know yesterday for many of us, if we were fans of a certain team, difficult day, huh? But, uh, you know, Jesus, God, the Trinity never ceases uh, to uh, make sure that we... Um, are firmly aware where our hope is at, that uh, some things last forever and we can have a hope and it doesn't change, but win-loss records always can change. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, it's a good reminder this morning um, if you're struggling with, with today after, after yesterday. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, we're really glad that you're here today, especially if you're a guest with us. We're glad that you've chosen to spend a Sunday morning with us. We're honored. Um, and this, this, this Sunday is a special day. It's our, it's our final Sunday in a sermon series that we're calling a missional move. We've called a missional move. And a couple of reasons why we've called it that. One, we are moving locations um, late this year or early, early next year. In about three months, we're going to be moving. So some of this is regarding that. And the timing of it is because of that. Um, but with this move, we are going to have to, uh, to, to, to build out a space to, to make it uh, functional for what we want to do. And with that build-out is going to uh, come a cost of $500,000. So we're also in the process of, of trying to raise money to be able to um, get into this, this facility that really sets us up for the next 10 or 20 years. That's how long um, our lease is for the facility. So we feel like it sets us up well long-term if we can get in it in the short-term. If you want... Um, Detailed information, more than I'm going to get into today, you can go to the website. Um, there's a tab on the homepage there. It's a missional move. You click on it. There's videos, there are uh, sermons, um, and just information about um, the initiative uh, to raise support and more about why we're doing it and how we've come to this point um, because we've covered a lot of that the previous three weeks. And we won't get into that today, but we will today. Um, show some pictures of, of some of the progress that's been made. We'll do that towards the end and, and, and talk more specifics about the building at, at the end of our time today. Um, but today wraps up, and, and I'm really glad for, for guests to get to see this, because it wraps up uh, uh, this series where uh, today we're going to commit um, as a church in, in how much we're going to give to this initiative. This We're calling it Pledge Sunday, because at the end of the day, we're going to have a time We'll come before the Lord and say, this is how much that you feel like you're calling us or our family to give towards this initiative. We talked a lot about that the last three weeks. There's been build up to that. But if this is your first time here, um, you'll get to witness, um, hopefully, God moving um, in our hearts for us to be a generous people. And, and during this series, there have been three primary vision points we've been talking through as it relates to really like, what's this building for? How does it fit into the, to the vision and mission of the church? And the three have been plant the gospel. Uh, equip the church and love the city. Plant the gospel, equip the church, love the city. Last week we looked at plant the gospel and love the city. This week we're going to focus on equip the church. So equip the church is where we're going to focus on the, the first part of our time, and then we'll move into more building specifics at the end. So when I say equip the church, it's kind of an unfamiliar phrase, probably because of equip. We don't use that word equip very often. I mean, it's the root word of equipment, but I feel like if I'm just thinking of my daily vocabulary, not talking about the scriptures. I don't use that word equip very often. And then you have <coughs> the word church connected with it. So as, as we're going through this today, I'm going to take both of those words. The first part, we're going to look at church. The second part, we're going to look at equip. 
and just define and talk through those things and what those things look like. But when we talk about church, I think one of the most important things to realize is that we are a part of a much bigger story. There's a, a lot more happening, and, and we're wrapped up and caught up in more of a, a bigger deal than what we see on Sunday mornings or whatever we see with Providence Road Church. If you trace the roots of our church, you could trace them back to the book of Acts. Because that's the, the birthplace of the church, and every church can trace their roots back to that. It's very, very difficult, but that is where the birth of the church happens. So we know it goes back there. But uh, for the sake of our, our story and <coughs> where we're kind of headed today, I want to go back to the year 1889. April 22nd, 1889. And those of you who are good native Oklahomans who took uh, Oklahoma history class, you should know this day, but it's otherwise known as the land run. Okay, And so this is when the land run happened where 50,000 home seekers uh, rushed off to claim stakes of land that it were scattered about through Oklahoma, some of those in Norman. And <coughs> those people came from all over the country. Diverse people, but with that came different uh, religious groups, different denominations made up of those religious groups. You had Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Catholics, and many, many more. And all these people rushing into this area, and obviously with some of them, church faith was very important with them. So what they do? Well, they started churches. <coughs> and as far as the Baptist stream of thing goes, on October 24th of that same year, so six months after, First Baptist Church of Guthrie was, was started. And this was the first Baptist church in all of Oklahoma. Three days later, the second Baptist church in all of Oklahoma was formed, and it was First Baptist Church of Norman. It was started by 11 people here in Norman, um, not far from here, and only a couple of blocks from where um, our new space will be. I don't know what it was for sake of simplicity or maybe an era of competition back then, but to call yourself the first church, I mean, that's where we get the first of blank, blank. It, they were literally the first church in that city. I think they want everybody to know, hey, we're the first Baptist church here. So when you see first whatever church, it may go back 100, 200, 300 years um, so that's where that, <laughs> if you're ever wondering, why, why are there first Baptist churches? That's, or first Presbyterian churches, that's why. Um, both, the, the reason why this is important in first Baptist is because Blake and I, Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the other pastors who um, was a part of that core group who planted the church, we both became Christians through the ministry of first Baptist church in the mid to late 90s. So first Baptist church had a huge role to play in us coming to know Jesus. First Baptist church has also planted uh, some large other Baptist churches in Norman throughout the years, Trinity Baptist, Northeast Baptist, Bethel Baptist, all were church plants of First Baptist Church originally. Bethel Baptist Church owns this building, whom they've been graciously letting us rent uh, from them for the last four years. Um, so even that, we have, uh, there's some crossover as far as how we're connected through these churches that First Baptist has planted. Providence Road specifically was planted by uh, a church in Austin, um, the Austin Stone Church in Austin, and, and, and Chris Valencia actually came from that church to help us start this church as well. He was a part of that original team, and so um, we even have them as a, a connection in that way. We are part of an Acts 29 network where 600 churches have been planted over the last 15 years in 30 countries and on six continents. Um, and so um, we're a part of that network as well. All that being said is we are part of something much, much bigger than ourselves, even as Providence Road Church, and even as you as individuals especially, it, <coughs> like God has been working and moving for, for many, many, many years, even in Norman, Oklahoma, long before you arrived in Norman, or any of us did. And God will continue to work and, and, and build his church in Norman 
into the future, um, even probably after Providence Road is long gone. That's what the Lord does. So we're just thankful and grateful and, and blessed to, to have this opportunity for, the God, for God to use us in this time and place, in this area, in this particular present day period. And we're going to treasure that and do everything we can with, with how God's uh, uniquely put us in this city to be able to, to go in that way. So I think it's important before we kind of zoom in on what does the Bible say about church to really just know that God's been moving in Norman a long time. And, and we're kind of joining in on the coattails of what's been happening, and we're just excited to be able to do that. But So <laughs> to the scripture, the Bible uses several metaphors in talking about the church. It's called the bride of Christ. It's about uh, the family, um, the temple, a house. Um, and one of the more popular ones, maybe the most, the most uh, uh, frequently referenced metaphor, is one of a body. A body, like a physical human body. And I think when God says body... He wants us to think of a human body when he says the church is like a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says this about this idea. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, trying to teach them, this is what a church is. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Okay? So it's not just one member, it's many members make up the body. And then a few verses later, he says in verse 27, same chapter, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, or Christ's body. So we, we are wrapped up into Christ as his body. And then to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he says this, kind of going a little bit deeper into it. He says, and he, this is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Okay? So he's, he's the head of the body. So let's just take the physical body. So Jesus is the head. Okay, he is the head, and every other Christian in, in all of the world is a part of the body from a global standpoint. Now, in a local, from a local standpoint, in Norman, Oklahoma, at Providence Road Church, Jesus is the head of this body, and all of us who are members of Providence Road are connected to that head, but we are different members of the body. <laughs> Only Jesus can be the head of the body. No other human being can be the head of the body. A pastor is not the head of the body. doesn't matter how, how, how great a preacher they are, how big a church they have, how many followers they have on social media. And even, even if they function like the head of the church, no pastor is the head of the church, period. Nor should they act like they're the head of the church. Okay, Jesus, that spot is reserved for Jesus. Okay, all the rest of us, myself, the elder staff, everyone else are members of this body where Christ is the head. If you know anything about biology, you know that the brain is kind of the control center of the body. It affects every other area. Our, much of our senses come out of our brain. Our movements, all those things come back to our brain. Our brain is in our heads, obviously. Um, and so when, I think there's some wisdom when God says, Jesus is the head of the church. We need to imagine uh, everything that goes on in our head. It's the control center. He's the head. It's the tallest point of a physical person. Okay, all those things. It sits higher above everything else. When you're babies, it's the biggest thing. Okay, and so all of those things we should think of when we think of Jesus being the head of the church. Okay, and we could spend many, many weeks, many, many sermons talking about what is the church and all of that. But I wanted to give us an overview of this picture of a body and that God, when he sees the church, he sees Jesus as the head and the Christians uh, that are a part of a church, the body of. 
Jesus being the head, okay? So now I want to move into this idea of equip, okay? So this is the one we need to spend a little bit more time on because I think we're more unfamiliar with it. And Paul is going to address this idea of equipping in Ephesians chapter 4. And before we read this, I want us to, to, to kind of get us in context in this book. So the first three chapters of, of this book to the church in Ephesus, Paul is unpacking um, just um, a very robust theology. He's talking about Jesus, who he was, what he has done, all of those things. And then at the beginning of chapter 4, he turns. This is halfway through the book. He turns to more of like, okay, this is now what you need to do in light of the theology. Okay, and this is why this verse is going to, this whole chapter is going to start with a therefore. So that's the context in light of who Jesus is. Now he says this, verse 1, chapter 4. I therefore, based on everything I said before, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And this is the important verse here. There is one body. Okay, so Paul's echoing this again. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. So here's how the spirit comes into this, and I think this is really important. There is one Holy Spirit, and that same Holy Spirit fills all Christians. Okay, when we have, say we have the Holy Spirit, it's not a lot of many Holy Spirits. It's not a lot of manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's one Holy Spirit, and that is the thing that spiritually unites us together as followers of Jesus. Okay? And this is why we put so much emphasis on membership in this church, is because like, it's saying, amen, and yes, I believe I, I'm united to other brothers and sisters in, in this particular place, in this particular location to do life. We're united through the Spirit together. So absolutely, I want to become a member of this church. And this is why membership is so important. We're actually living out what is already a reality? If we have one spirit <laughs> connecting us all in one body. So it's not a bunch of little bodies, it's a bunch of little spirits. One body, one spirit, one head who is Jesus. Okay, then we'll go down to verse 10, a few verses down. Paul is again talking about Jesus here. This is what he is referring to. It says, he who descended, this is the incarnation, Christ coming to earth, is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So when Jesus died, rose again, he ascended back to the Father. And here it says, far above all the heavens. And the purpose of this ascending is that he might fill all things, Paul just tells us. That he might fill all things. So Jesus' purpose, God's purpose in this mission, is that Jesus would fill all things. And that is done through his spirit. We just saw, okay, through his spirit. Now, Paul explains how he's going to accomplish this, because that's the purpose, okay? That Christ would fill all things, that God's glory would be made known. Now he says, okay, how, how are we to do this? This is um, uh, verse, um, verse 11. Let's go ahead and read verse 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, okay? Paul begins to explain this, okay? He's basically saying... I'm going to supply. When, G when Jesus ascended, he is king. He's been given dominion, authority, and power over all the world. So he says, the way I'm going to fulfill my mission to fill everything is to give the church gifts. I'm going to give the church gifts. I'm going to give the church specific kinds of people to be able to accomplish the purpose that I have for the church. Okay, makes a lot of sense. That's, that's logical. I'm like, it's like, thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Because that mission seems really hard. Thank you for giving us those gifts. And it says in this passage that 
He gave us these five things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, and we could do a whole sermon on this too, but really what this is saying, that he gives these gifts and certain kinds of people that have these gifts to the church to equip the saints. And saints here, don't get freaked out by that word saint. We don't use it very much, but that's a New Testament basically replacement for Christian. Okay, saint just means a Christian, one who has been set apart to the Lord, a Christian. So, and these five people that are given these gifts um, are, are, are saints as well, okay? So they're Christians. They're just people that are gifted in specific ways to be able to help the rest of the church fulfill the calling, okay? But don't get hung up at that's not That's not the main purpose here. But the point is he's giving gifts to churches. He's giving certain kinds of people to churches to be able to fulfill the calling he has before us. So this, this, this first thing here says the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Notice the saying, like, these five these five gifts or these five people are doing the work of the ministry. It says they're given to the church now for the Christians, the saints, to then go do the work of the ministry. Okay, So all of us as saints in a particular church are called to do the work of the ministry. Now, after that, you have five things that he's going to list here. We'll go through these really quick. Uh, first, you have for the building up of the body of Christ. And it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith, the second one, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he gives us a path here. He says this is, this is what it should look like when you are doing the work of the ministry. The body is built up in this way, and here's what it should look like. You should know the Son of God more. You should be unified. You should, you should grow up into manhood from a spiritual standpoint, adulthood, spiritual adulthood. We should all be growing up into that. And our goal is always to grow up into the fullness of Jesus, into, into him, and, and, to, and to be conformed to his image and who he is as a person. And if, if we're followers of Jesus this year, this is our calling. This should be our aim, to grow up into our faith. And if we all are, are, are on the same page here, we're all connected doing that, we're all going to benefit from one another, uh, that being everyone's goal. If that's the aim of everyone and we're using our gifts in that way, um, we'll all grow up into that. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So, um, Verse 14, Paul's going to help us here understand this point, but he talks about it in a negative way. He's going to put it in the positive. Now he's going to go to the negative. And he uses the word we here. So this is, and he's a church leader. So Paul's putting himself in with all the other church, all the other saints. Because remember, Jesus is the head. Paul knows that. He is not the head. Paul's a leader, but he is a part of the church. He says, so that we, verse 14, may no longer be children, Kind of compare that to the, 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 the mature manhood he said previously. No, may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, deceitful schemes. Okay? So he kind of says, this, this is, there's, don't, don't be children in the faith. Don't be children in maturity. And I think he's especially talking about people maybe who have been Christians for a long time. If someone just becomes a follower of Jesus and they're learning and they're growing, they're going to be a child in the faith, and, and, and they're going to grow up into that. But I think he's, he's really talking to, I think, people that, hey, if, if you've been a Christian for a while, like, have it, have it your aim to grow up into the faith. Then he describes some of the things I think spiritually uh, uh, immature children struggle with, okay? So it's when, when you hear different doctrines thrown out, do you know kind of what the Bible says about specific, I think, major doctrines? Can you, can you hear something and know, wait, that's not right. What does my Bible say? So there's, there's, this, there's this rooted and, and groundedness in the word. And it says also by human cunning and, and craftiness and deceitful schemes. When you hear some, some new kind of teaching, maybe some new speaker 
or some new whatever it is in whatever location, and, and they're saying some stuff, and, and they're getting a big following, and people are liking it. Maybe even it makes you feel good. Can you stop and be discerning enough to say, wait a minute, yeah, I get all those things, but let me go back to the scriptures. Let me go back to who I know of God and who Jesus is and kind of be able to compare those things. That's a kind of a mature way to approach human cunning and deceitful schemes, okay? So he tells us, here's what you should be like. Here, don't be like little children. Now he's going to actually tell us how to get there. Verse 15, rather, rather than doing that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, there's that word again, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So he's saying here the remedy, the remedy to, 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 being, to being children or, or the way to grow up to, to mature adulthood is speaking the truth in love. It's kind of a, a weird phrase there, and, and I think it, it can mean, um, there's a lot of depth to it. I think it can mean something by just saying, hey, whenever we speak truth, we want to be loving. I think that's true, but I think it's far deeper than that. I think it's far more encompassing because what he's saying is speaking the truth in love is the way you grow up into mature. That's, that's, that's a huge deal. So what does that phrase mean? Well, Jesus says in the Gospels, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying, I am the truth. I'm the full embodiment of the truth. So when we say speaking the truth in love, I think it could be speaking the word. It could be kind of this understanding of Jesus and being able to hear his words and not hear the the, the words of of the world or the words of of, of Satan. It could be... um, it could be to, to, to know the gospel and know how the gospel impacts your marriage and your parenting and, and, your, and your work life and your finances. I mean, I think speaking the truth, that part of it, could mean all of those different things. And then in love is pretty straightforward. It's just as we do all this stuff, as we do these things, we're to have the posture of love. We're always to have the posture of Jesus, love, gentleness, discernment, Okay. So I think that is what he's saying here. And it's important to, to note that because he, he's, I think, building how we do this around that, that phrase. If we, I was to throw out some things that this could look like a lot of different things, and I think this is what churches should be about as, this as far as equipping. <laughs> um, we should know the word. Uh, we should uh, uh, strive to spend time alone with God. We should spend time studying the word together. We should spend time loving the city. So he's saying speaking the truth in love. He's not saying just to one another. It's actually saying just in general, in all of life. Talk about Jesus with people who aren't a part of this church, who aren't followers of Jesus. These are, there's going to be many, many more, but I think these are just some examples of how to grow up to learn how to be able to speak the truth in love. Okay? Now, I want to bring the Holy Spirit back in here, okay? Because the Holy Spirit, the, the Word says, Scripture says, the Holy Spirit it, it guides us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, But there's an element here, Paul is saying, take responsibility. Take responsibility for your spiritual development. Take responsibility for growing up into a a mature spiritual adult. Take responsibility to do that. But know that the Spirit is inside of you working and guiding you and leading you and teaching you as we do that. So practically in the church, I would say that if your spiritual development depends primarily on whoever's preaching, whoever's leading worship, or whoever's leading your missional community or a Bible study, um, you're not going to grow up into a spiritual adult. You're going to get stunted somewhere along the way because you're depending on one person who is not perfect, who has weaknesses, 
And if, that's, if, you're, if you're dependent solely on that person, you're not going to have a complete um, uh, picture of development. The cool thing is the Holy Spirit who's inside of you, the third part of the Trinity, is the one who is going to conform you. Okay? And so we have that inside of us, and then we uh, work out our own salvation. Okay? We, we, we're aware of our spiritual development. We work hard and, and take responsibility for being able to do that. Um, these things that I mentioned, the lead, preaching, leading worship, MC lead, those are, those are people who are in your life. They're tools. They're people who come alongside of you to help you take responsibility for your own spiritual development. We have the word. God has spoken in his word. We have the spirit to help us understand that and live that out. We have a lot more than I think we realize sometimes that we can come be, become overly dependent upon one teacher or one worship leader <coughs> or one Bible study teacher, and um, that's not the picture that Paul is giving here. And to look at this developmentally, again, back to a body, because again, Paul wants us to think body. If you, if you have a, a 16-year-old um, teenager in the body, but they have the developmental level of a six-year-old, like, we know there's problems. Like, it's not normal, and we go to a doctor, we go see specialists, we go figure it out, because we're like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. So I think we get this with our biology, but when it comes to spiritually, Paul wants us to think the same way. Like, if, if you've been around for a while, but it's like the, six, the six-year-old stuff's still happening, let's, let's address that. Let's deal with that. Let's Let's talk through that. Let's come to the Word and figure out how the Word can change it. Let's talk to the community. Let's talk to leaders in my life and figure out how they can help me process, overcome those areas maybe where, we're, where I'm still immature. And I think we all have those spaces and crevices in our life, at least, where there's still some immaturity. Again, all of us in different areas. So I think we need to be honest with those things and say, hey, how can I, how can I grow in these, in these areas? Um, and so I want to go back to that body picture, okay? And he says, when, when, all the, when all the members are functioning properly, when everything's working, it, it's beautiful. It, it, everyone grows up. It, it's functioning proper, properly. Um, and so one of the things I would say, practical steps from this is, how has God wired you? If, if the scripture's saying, if you're a part of a local church and you're a Christian, you have a role in that church, Period. Every Christian who has the Holy Spirit is gifted in some way, at least one way. Do you know what that is? I think one of the easiest <laughs> ways to find out is actually doing some of the things that the scriptures call us to do. And then if you're living life with a community, um, again, I think a missional community is a great place to do this because you can start doing some things at a smaller scale, 10 people, 12 people, 15 people, and you have other people around you to watch you and observe you. You start doing something, and you can say, hey, when I did that, like, tell, give me some feedback. Tell me how this works. Or, hey, you've been around me for six months. Like, you've lived life with me. You know me. Where, where do you think I'm maybe gifted? Where is God kind of using me? And then maybe, maybe where are some places where it's like maybe this isn't your lane. This isn't where you need to be. I think for those of us around people like that, this is, again, the great thing about doing life together. When you start seeing people in that context doing things, you can be like, oh, wait a minute, like, when you did that last night, like, I just felt, I think the whole community was encouraged when you did that. Like, there were, like, sparks of, like, the Holy Spirit. Like, when you said that, it just kind of cut through, and it just encouraged, I feel like, everyone in the room. So, you should do more of that. Like, you should keep that up. So, as the body, we were coming around people and saying, you know what? Like, that, that was really good. Like, every time, for example, hospitality, you know, we, we, that's a huge value for us as a church. 
like when people are in your home, it just feels really good. You notice I didn't say clean. You notice I didn't say the food's good. There's just this, there's just something about you working hard in that area of hospitality that people come in and it's just like they can be themselves. They can be who they are. That it just feels good to be around you in your home. If that's, if that's somebody in your group that's hosted, I would say they need to keep hosting and ask them to do that. Encourage them and say, hey, God's really using you in this area. If someone happens to start talking about the Bible in a discussion and they're able to really be clear and concise and kind of it really it makes sense and you're saying, hey, you, you really handled that passage well. Do you want to do more of this next week? Or would you like to help me teach in a couple of weeks? You may have the, maybe there's, God wants to use you as a teacher in the church. So those are some areas on how we do that. But Paul, the point is, Paul, I think, consistently says we are to be consistent givers and not consistent takers. Consistent givers and not consistent takers. And maybe that's a question we should ask ourselves. Are we giving to the church? Or are we taking to, from the church more often? And I want to go back to the body analogy here. We know that if something is wrong with our body, all the attention goes there. Like if I am walking and I stub my toe, little part of the body, but my attention my pain sensors, my anger, my energy is all going to go to my toe. And it's going to like take me out of whatever else I was doing. Because something's wrong with my toe and it hurts. Now, it could be a disease. It could be an infection. We know that like blood rushes into places like that. Even our bodies are functional. Like blood rushes into areas that are hurt. Okay? If, you've, if you're um, like a runner or you do any sports, you'll know that like if you mess up your right ankle and you start, you try to fight through it, probably after about a month, if you keep running, like your left like hip or like pelvis is probably going to get tilted because you're like kind of limping while you run and you don't even know it. But one small part of your body is now affecting all the other parts. So this is why everyone in the body is important and we should be consistent contributors because when everything's working properly, God, uh, Paul's saying it's awesome, it's great, it's built up, the church is healthy, the church grows, we all benefit from that. And so the, the role of staff and elders, or one of the roles of staff, elders, MC leaders, <laughs> people um, at the church are to create environments and to encourage everyone in the church to be able to, to a place where they can grow up in their faith, can use their gifts, can grow up into Christ, can begin learning. It's not to, to do that stuff, all of it. It's to create environments and create systems and those things to, that everyone will flourish not just the leaders, not just the staff, but everyone will flourish. So to kind of tie this up and how I think equipping fits into all the gifts and all this stuff, Jesus has said, I am building my church. I am building my church. So my Father will get glory. And the way I'm going to do that is to give gifts to the church. I'm going to equip the church to be able to do the things I'm calling the church to do and calling individual Christians to do as well. So he gives us that stuff. He gives us gifts. He gives us those things so the church will be healthy, so the church will be built up, so that we can share our faith, so, so churches can grow, and churches can be planted. Churches will get multiplied. This isn't just an internal thing. If churches are being healthy and people are getting raised up, people should be getting sent out to start new churches and new endeavors in the faith. It's, this is a healthy expression of the church as well. So this is where the building fits in. Okay, I want to make a turn now to where the building fits in. We can do a lot of this stuff without a building. We can. Like, it's not a requirement to have a building to do this stuff. <coughs> but I do think it's a valuable tool to help us in this context be able to accomplish these things. 
A lot of organizations that have missions are, are, um, are, uh, have facilities. For example, grade schools. Their mission is not to get kids inside of a building. Their, kid, their, their goal is to, to educate. So they've decided a building is going to help us educate kids. Same thing with the university. Okay, universities have buildings. They have spaces. Could they do classrooms outside? Yeah, they could do classrooms outside. But they feel like a building helps them accomplish their mission better. Same thing with universities. Okay, all of these places, they have a bigger goal in goal in mind, but they've thought the, a building is a, is a good tool for, or a, for us to accomplish these things. Um, so I want to turn your attention to the screens. We're going to have some pictures up here. This is, we'll show you kind of the progress up to this point. Um, so far, they've only done um, demolition. Okay, So there's not a lot in the building yet. There hasn't been any walls put up or anything like that put up yet. But... Um, they, uh, so what, when we show pictures up here, the building, inside the building, it'll, be, it'll look fairly empty. Okay, we have those pictures? Awesome. So this is the outside of the building. This is the, the intersection of <coughs> Crawford and Comanche. And um, some of the outside will change a little bit. We'll have a sign up there, um, those kinds of things. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can just keep going, Amy. Thank you. Um, so it's another angle of that. Downtown Norman, a block off Main Street. You can kind of slow down here. I want to talk a little bit about this. So this is looking in from the west, a west door through the whole facility. This is our primary gathering space, which we, we, it'll fit. Um, we think we can fit approximately 400 chairs in there. There'll be a stage built, a sound booth built. Um, that's kind of looking at it from another angle, still looking um, east through the building. Um, you can keep going. Thanks, Amy. Um, we like the look of that floor. We're going to probably leave it like that. We thought it looked like Oklahoma, so we thought it may look kind of, no, we're not, we're not leaving it like that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this, this will begin to change soon. It's probably already began to change. change. This is about a week ago we took these pictures. Um, so we'll start doing work on it. This is our primary gathering space. We're right here, kind of close to the camera, right along that, that, that edge where it's kind of discolored concrete. That'll be a four-year running kind of the length of that side of the building. So we've never had a four-year. We're really excited to have a four-year. Um, so it's not like inside coming from outside straight into a worship gathering space. Um, you can go to the next one. Um, so this is, uh, this is looking from kind of the, the, the changeover area in, into the kids' area and the common area out into the gathering space. The next picture will show it kind of flipped around looking the other way now. So through that whole is um, common space, some, a kitchen, and then that back wall right there will be the, hall, uh, the wall of the hallway that leads down that side of the building. So the next picture will show more of those common areas. This will be common kind of areas, seating, seating areas on Sunday morning or places to do small groups, uh, small classes here and there. Um, there'll be a, a little kitchen in there. And then right there, looking straight back, will be the hallway. And you can see kind of one half classroom already on the side. Obviously, there'll be a wall there. But, um, so we'll have a, a hallway going all the way back, and rooms will be on both sides. And there'll be <coughs> seven kids' classrooms on that side of the building. Um, and so um, I think the next slide is blueprints. Yeah, <coughs> so this is maybe more helpful for some of you. So that, that wall running right down the middle vertical on that line is, is a permanent wall. So that's kind of how the building's been divided. The left side is that hallway of classrooms. The right side's the gathering space. Um, uh, up here is west, so right is north, if that's bothering you. Um, that bothers me, um, not knowing that. So uh, up is west. Um, and then that room, uh, upper left corner, um, that is a, um, right now it's an, an unbuilt, it's, not, it's been an unbuilt room, so we're not building it out right now. We're just going to leave it the way it is, one big room. 
And it just gives us the option to do <coughs> right now, have a multi-purpose space, maybe some offices, um, a larger classroom space, uh, potentially some uh, junior high and high school events during the week there. Um, there are a lot of options with that space. So we're trying to keep as many, many spaces uh, multi-purpose as possible because we want, um, like last week we talked about in the For the City portion, we want other organizations to be able to use this building. We don't want it sitting empty all week long. We want it to be a good steward of that like footprint downtown. If that's where we're going to be, the building needs to be used a lot. That's our kind of conviction behind a lot of this. Um, thank you, Amy. <laughs> um, so some of the history briefly. Um, the, the, uh, our, our, um, our, the owner of our facility, we're leasing it. She's given us a really fair great lease. Um, her name's Denise. She's original, her, her grandfather was one of the original settlers of Norman. So they came right around 1890. So that was a year after the land run, okay? So her, and this building has been in her family since then. Well, the building, actually, the building is built in 1930, but they've owned property in the city that goes back to, to 1890. And so this, this is a family, it's the, the last name Stubman, You've seen Stubman Street. There used to be a Stubman Village. I don't know if it's there anymore. Um, but this was um, a, one of the, the first families of Norman. And she, this family loves Norman. They, they want to see the Norm, Norman become a, continue to be a great city, a great place to live. So I, I love how it also connects with the history of Norman, this building does. And that it's a, it's a, it's a strategic location, and um, it goes back um, well over 100 years. Um, so here's some specific ways. I'm just going to list these. I could go on and on here, but we, we hopefully have ways to use the building. We'll, we'll have access to the building anytime we want, so 24-7. We could have more classes on Sunday and potentially during the week. We can host conferences and seminars throughout the week on different topics. Uh, we can use the common spaces to have meetings during the week. Uh, we're going to try our best to have some kind of like open building hours during the week. That, that's going to be hard at the beginning, but we're going to try to work towards that. Um, we have more capacity to do internships and residencies because we'll have more space during the week for people to get together and talk and, and learn and, and be equipped and those kinds of things. And if you're ever here at a 9 o'clock service, um, the temperature control in this room is brutal. So if a temperature control is your thing, um, it will, we will be able to control the temperature more. Um, this morning it was freezing in this room, so it feels much better now, but it was freezing in the room this morning. Um, so here's the deal. For the last month, We've been praying, um, our prayer really has been that everyone that calls Providence Road home will consider and ask themselves, how are they going to be a part of this? How are you going to be a part of this? Um, and how are you going to be a part of seeing what God does through, um, through this, this facility and this initiative? Um, and so in light of what we've talked about today in the body, we want everyone at Providence Road to be involved in this. And that's starting with prayer, okay? Starting with prayer and really asking yourselves, we've we, we talked about generosity the first week. We talked about how God views our finances in week two. And so we talked a lot about the Bible, generosity, and all of those things. So if you haven't heard those, then go back and listen to those sermons. I think they'll be instructive, and that a lot of this is coming out of that. And so in, in light of what the scriptures say, we want you to, to wrestle with uh, how, how generous are you? Um, and, and what God is calling you to, to, to do as a, as, a, as a response to what he is doing um, in Providence Road. Um, so I want to call your attention to this little, <laughs> this little brochure here. It should be on all of your chairs. Um, 
And uh, this was handed out last week, so you may have got to read this last week. Um, this has as much detail in this as we've given in any, in any, uh, in any environment. So uh, um, there's also, like I said, more on the website. The first, there's two little cards on the inside. Quickly, this one, it says prayer on it. Um, that's the importance of prayer. Um, and, and we want you to continue praying for this. Um, this is a lot of money. And we feel like this is something like this, there, there, there is... Um, sacrifice involved on our, on our end and risk involved in this. So we want uh, to pray, and we, we've, we've, we've prayed, and we've fasted, and we, we think this is the direction God wants us to go. So we're moving in that direction. So pray for the whole process. The other back says you're three. These, we want this to be about, um, this is, we want this to be about mission. If Norman isn't changed as a result of what we do, then um, this deal, this, this isn't going to work. We don't, we don't want this to happen if Norman isn't changed as a result of this. And we think that changes with people being changed. And so when it says you're three, those are three people who don't know Jesus that you're going to write their name down and, and, and commit to pray for them and, 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 love and, and attempt to love them with the gospel. Now, some of you in this room may be those people. So I know that may be awkward, but here's the deal. Like if this, if for a Christian... Jesus is our treasure, and if he is the most important thing in our life, and our whole life is to revolve around him, which is what a disciple is, then why wouldn't you want us to tell you about the most important, best news we've ever heard in our life? Like, if I'm a friend, I, I tell people, good, my friends, good news all the time, because it's good news, and I want them to, to rejoice in it with me. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, that's all we're doing. Your name's going out to pray for you and pray that God would, 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 would help you see his beauty and his worth and his grace and his mercy because we believe ultimate freedom and joy is found in Jesus. So don't let that be weird. That's just saying basically people love you enough to spend time praying for you and that God would reveal himself to you in, in, in a very big way. Now the next, the, the other one is the pledge card, <laughs> okay? So here's what we're gonna do with that. I'm gonna talk, kind of say talk to two different people in here, okay? So one group of people I know we talked about through this series is um, when we're talking about giving to the church, maybe you, you haven't given to Providence Road and it hasn't been a consistent practice of yours. Here's what we think the Lord wants you to do is just start giving anything. Like, so take the missional move off the, the, the table here. Just start giving something, okay? If that's you, there's, there's guest cards scattered throughout the room and it's a long skinnier bookmark kind of uh, template, and there's a tear-off at the bottom of that. There's a place on the back that says prayer. Um, if that's you, if you call Providence Road home and you're just like, yeah, I haven't been giving, but I really want to start giving, we want you to write down your commitment there. Okay, write your, down, your commitment there because here's the deal. We, we think if you haven't been giving, we want you to just start and start somewhere that's, 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 that's simple and develop a habit of that, okay? And when the, the, the buckets are passed here in a second, just drop that little tear-off piece in there like everyone else's. Now, for the rest of you who've given to Providence Road <laughs> consistently or um, you kind of know, like if you feel like, yeah, I've given to the church, then this is you. So we want you, this is just talking about a missional move. Okay, there's two spaces on there. Um, the, first, the, the, the first one is how are you planning on to give? Is it going to be monthly? Is it weekly? Is it quarterly? Whatever it is, whatever you think that's going to be, that's what that space is for. The bottom space is the total amount you feel like God's leading you to give over the two years, over, begin, from January of 2018 to December of 2019. It's the total amount. So do some math there, 24 months, total that up, um, and, and, and write them in those spaces there. <laughs> Put your information there 
in the, uh, at the bottom. Here's why I'm being so detailed and kind of um, really trying to make sure we get this, because this, is for an, this is, can be an accounting nightmare. Okay, we have now two streams of things coming in. I'm trying to make the people make it easy for the people who are doing this stuff. Um, a bank's involved, so they're going to want to know exact numbers and how we're planning on uh, uh, getting some of this money. So that's why we're doing it very detailed and want to know um, precisely all these things and how that money is going to start coming in. Um, and if you, um, here in a moment, we give you some space to think through this. Um, maybe you haven't had enough time. <laughs> like, I haven't had enough time to, to talk about this. Um, I need more time. That's okay. Okay, we're going to give you a little bit of time uh, now, but um, if you need to take another week or two, that's okay. The reason why we're doing it all together, we hope that most of you would have come and, and had that decision, man. That's why we had four weeks, because we feel like we want to do this together as a body and kind of all together saying this is what uh, together we want to do in, in the area of finances for this specific thing. But we understand, hey, you just need more conversation. We can't do it right now. You can, ha you, you can have more time. You can turn uh, the card in later. But, um, and, we'll, and we'll probably remind you sometime in November, hey, if this was you, if that describes you, then you can come and turn your card in another time. If you have any questions about this, please come and talk to me. Uh, come and talk to Jay um, about, uh, about that, okay? So um, here's what we're going to do. So we're going to give you a few minutes, uh, two, three minutes of just space to pray and to, 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 to think. And if you need to have some conversations with your spouse, this is the time to have some conversation with your spouse, okay? If you're still wrestling with it, this is a good time to wrestle, okay? Um, and we will have pins getting passed around, okay, during this time. So if you don't have a pin with you to write, pins will be going around, so look for those buckets being passed. Through. So I'm going to give you a few minutes, and then um, I'm going to close our time um, in prayer after that. We're now going to enter into a time of communion that we do every week here. Before Jesus was to go to the cross, he, around his closest followers, his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this, this bread broken represents my body broken for you. <laughs> then he took a cup and he said, this cup represents my blood shed for you. That would forgive your past sins, present sins, future sins. And he tells followers of Jesus to do this often, to do this consistently until I return. And he tells us to do it consistently so that we would remember because we're so forgetful. We're forgetful people of his grace and his mercy. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here, I want you to think about that when we give you the space to think and to pray. And when you come forward, what you're saying is, I believe I've been forgiven. I believe I'm his child. I believe I've been united with him. So if you're feeling guilt or shame or like you don't belong in the family, I pray that in that space we give you that you would, you would confess that and say, God, help me. Help me believe that I'm a child and I'm forgiven. I don't need to feel shame anymore. Like Jesus has covered your shame. It's done. So when, when we come forward to go to the back and take communion, we do so with confidence. And it's this, this, this helps us ground us in our faith. It causes us to remember that we're his. And nothing can change that. And we do that as a family, saying we as a family believe. That's why we do it at the same time. So we're all coming forward and going back and believing that and being able to leave here resting in his grace and his love and his mercy. It's talking about the equipping stuff, talking about doing all the stuff and being a body, that is not going to happen if we're not coming, it's not coming out of a place of acceptance and belief and trust that we are his. 
Or that ministry will become idolatry. That, 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 that being in the worship band or being a missional community, you'll start prop, you'll use that to get acceptance before God. And it will not work. You'll be miserable serving where you're serving. If you're using that to get the acceptance of the Father. If you're in Christ, the Father accepts you. He says, now go get after it. I love you. You're mine. Now go, go serve. Go have fun. Go see what I'm going to do through what you're going to do. That's, the, that's, that's how the Father treats us as his children. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I, I pray that you would respond. Jesus says we need to respond in, 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 in repentance and belief. And that you would believe that Jesus absorbed, took the wrath of God um, that's upon sinners. And that Jesus took that. And, and how we enter into relationship with God, how we're saved, is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus and believing that he is who he said he was and he did what the scripture says he did. And we believe that and embrace that. That brings us into God's family. That causes us to be saved. That causes God to pass over us in his wrath on rebellious human beings. Like we all were at one time. Everyone in this room was at one time a rebellious sinner. And their faith and trust in Jesus saved them. So I pray that you would consider that today, that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if that's you and you want to do that, you can come forward or go to the back and you can take communion for the first time as a follower of Jesus. But if I've described you and you need some more time and you need space to think and pray, we want this to be a safe place. We want you to wrestle with it because we think it's worth being wrestled over. It's life and death. It's that important. So we want you to wrestle with what you consider it. And Please do that with other people. Maybe somebody who brought you or come find me. Let's go to lunch. Let's meet over coffee and talk about what you're struggling with or something I said today. Or maybe you hate everything that I said today. Come, let's talk. Let's just, I just want to process. So if that's you, we want this to be a safe place for you. But during this time, we ask that you stay where you're seated. This communion is for family members only and people who've been saved and have committed their lives to follow Jesus. So take a few minutes. Come forward or go to the back uh, whenever you're ready.